Well, good morning, family. You guys doing all right? Good, good. Me too. Me too. Grab your Bibles if you have them. Open them up to Psalm 30. That's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time this morning in Psalm 30. Now, if you guys have been with us through the series, we know that the Psalms are songs, they're prayers, they're creeds, sometimes they're instructions for us that have been put put to music. People sing them. And the Psalms, this particular Psalm, Psalm 30, is instructing us today. It's instructing us on why we thank the Lord and how do we go about thanking the Lord. And I have a confession to, to start right off. Isn't that great? Pastor makes confession. All right. I was trying to make this message go in a particular direction. I kept fighting it and fighting it and fighting it until finally I just said, God, have your way. All right? So that's how we're going to go about this this morning, just uh, listening to the Lord. I want to read the psalm, compl- the complete psalm to give us some context, and then we're going to pray. Okay, sound good? You with me? All right. You can say amen. That's all right. Uh, psalm 30. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you, his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger... Is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosened my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. That my glory may sing your praises and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And as we were singing those songs, uh, I'm just reminded of the mercy. Mercy is why we thank you. Mercy is why we thank you, Lord. And Lord, we just confess to you this morning that we do not thank you as you deserve. Um, So, Lord, would you speak to our hearts? Would somehow, Lord, I just believe that you're going to do something today. I don't know what it is, but you want to do something today in our hearts. And I pray that you would change them. Make us a people that thank you. Every day we thank you. Lord, reveal to us where we are thankless. 
and show us a picture again, a fresh picture of your mercy so that we might sing of your praises forever as you've instructed us to do. And we thank you for all of it in Jesus' name. Amen. You ever try to spend time around someone who just exudes ingratitude? You know what I'm saying? It's really hard to do, isn't it? Right? They just cannot bring themselves to thank anybody for the good things that are in, in their life. It's really hard to be around someone like that, isn't it? It puts a big strain on the relationship. No matter what kind of relationship, it could be a blood relationship. It could be your brother, it could be your sister, your mom, your best friend. But it's hard to do. We have names for people like this, right? We, we don't call it to their face usually, right? But are behind their back. We call them Scrooges, right? Misers. Curmudgeons. Sometimes just good old-fashioned jerks, right? That works. It's my personal favorite. Thanklessness is like a poison. that It doesn't just deteriorate the person itself, us, but it also deteriorates our relationships that we have with other people. No one wants to be around someone who's thankless. It has ingratitude. You ever listen to an athlete who just kind of pats himself on the back after the victory? They praise themselves after the victory instead of giving some thanks to their teammates or to their many coaches or their trainers? Why does that behavior garner the judgment of the fans when that happens? You ever thought about that? Why do we go, who do they think they are? Why do we cringe when a celebrity accepts an award and refuses to thank the team that helped her get that award? Why do we judge their behavior as crass in the conversations at work the next day? It's not so much a thought we have, but just a reaction that we have to that. Like, what was that about? What was their deal? I think that we react to thanklessness that way because we know at some basic level they're not God. And we are not God. Our existence is not essential for this world to keep on spinning, right? We drop dead, what happens? Nothing. Everything keeps on going, right? We know at a deep level that to refuse to thank God is to elevate ourselves to a level that we don't belong. We're taking someone else's spot, in other words. In Psalm 30, David is warning us about the dangers of a thankless heart from his own life. He's taken his own sin, he's taken his own failure, and he's published it. What a leader, huh? So that we can learn from this. And we need, to, we need to hear from him this morning. We need to learn that, that we need to kill a thankless heart before it kills us. If you don't hear anything I say, if you like tune me out right now and go into like screensaver mode, great. But hear this. We need to kill a thankless heart before it kills us. It's serious. Now how do we go about doing this? This is the instruction part of, of this song. First thing we need to do is we need to call it what it is. We need to call it what it is. Look at verses 6 through 7. David says, As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. This psalm begins with thanks, like the first five verses, right? And then it ends with thanks. Thanks for being healed. Thanks for being restored. Thanks for being saved, redeemed. These types of, this type of voice, right? And right smack in the middle of it, you get this from what part? And it's in the middle because this is the most important part of this psalm. From what? In verse 6 and in verse 7, it tells us, it teaches us something very important. 
David is calling to a time, uh, calling to a time in his life when he forgot God. And we don't know exactly all the details because he doesn't describe it to us, but it was a time of prosperity. Life was really good for him. It was an easy time of ease. It was a time of comfort. Things were going really well. His plans are falling into place with little pushback. His enemies were nowhere to be found. They were not harassing him. He had plenty of money. He had plenty of food. He had plenty of wealth, prosperity, right? His kingdom was solid. There was no threats to any attack to the kingdom into society, right? And he's looking out at his kingdom. He's looking out over all that he has. And he starts to believe that he is the reason that all that happened. He's the reason that goodness has come into his life. Oh yeah, into into all of his people's lives. David is enjoying all the blessings of God, yet he cannot bring himself to thank God with his mouth. David is boasting in himself here. I said in my prosperity, right? I shall never be moved. This will never be taken from me, right? And and it's actually a form of boasting to accept, to enjoy the blessings of God and not give him the thanks for that. And we need to call thanklessness what it is. It's self-worship. It's self-worship. Here's what we think thanklessness is. It's socially annoying. It kind of grates on our nerves a little bit, right? It's a little bit irritating to receive goodness from a person or our family or a community that we were part of and then not say, hey, thank you very much for that. Hey, I really appreciate that. It's just socially annoying, right? It's a little rude. But to receive goodness from God, the source of all life, and to withhold thank- thankfulness from Him, it's not just socially annoying. It's self-exalting. It's a form of rejecting God to worship ourselves, to worship myself. And when we express thanks to someone, what are we doing? Assuming that we're sincerely expressing thanks, what are we doing when we say thank you to someone? What are we doing? At the very least, we are admitting that we are not the source for that goodness that came into our life, right? That's what we're doing. We're at a, very, at a bare minimum, what we're saying is that we were dependent, not independent, for whatever that was that, that we're enjoying right now. That's what we're doing when we thank them. When we open our mouth to thank someone, we are simultaneously bending our knees. Thanklessness is refusing to admit any of that is a reality, right? That's why we see people that, you know, boast of themselves, whether it's a celebrity on TV, we've got to say, hey, you know what, they've lost touch with reality. What are they talking about? Because we know that's true. Um, I remember the time we're teaching our little boy, he's, he's three and change right now, all right? And we're teaching him his manners. Did you bring your manners with you downstairs? Did you, did you bring your manners to the t- dinner table? And we're teaching, I say, please, and thank you, and you're welcome, right? And we're just starting it, so he knows all those words at this point. Like, he, he doesn't exactly know what they mean, but he knows how to say them. He doesn't remember how to use them. Now, remember specifically one time, so when do I say thank you, and when do I say please, and when do I say you're welcome, right? So, I remember, um, I don't remember where it was, maybe I've been at church or something, but there's a, a woman came up to him, an older woman came up to him, and she looks down at, at, at little Solomon, she says, you look so cute. I just love that outfit that you're wearing. And Solomon, with a straight face, with all sincerity, looks right at her and goes, you welcome. 
Like he had anything to do with the clothes he had on or bought them or something, right? And it's cute and it's funny because he didn't know what he was doing. He didn't know what he was saying. He didn't know what those words meant. He was trying. You're welcome. But it illustrates my point. A thankless person has forgotten reality. They're going through life saying, you welcome, when they should be saying, thank you. You hear what I'm saying, guys? You see, it's really cute when a child who doesn't know any better does that, right? When they're, we're not thankful, we kind of blow it off a little bit sometimes. But it's offensive when an adult acts that way to us, right? Now, what happens when we do that to God? When creation does that to creator, what do you call that? That's self-worship. That's self-exalting. Paul calls it, calls it this in Romans 1, 21 through 23. He says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. In Psalm 30, David is reminding us that the good things we enjoy are ultimately not caused by our efforts. They play a role, but they are not the source. The health that we may be experiencing is not ultimately due to our rigorous diet that we keep and our discipline of exercising three, four, five times a week. God has granted that to us for a time. Our wonderful children, they make us so proud. That's not ultimately due to our excellent parenting techniques and our patience and perseverance, amen? All right. God has granted that to us for a time. The success we're having at work is ultimately not due to our networking skills or our physical stamina to do that job all week long. God has granted us that for a time. We need to remember that. If we're going to kill thanklessness in our heart before it kills us, then we need to call it what it is. It is not cute. It's not a personality quirk. That's just kind of the way I am. It's not socially offensive. It's cosmically offensive because it's self-exaltation instead of God-exaltation, which is why we need to not just call it what it is, but we also need to recognize what we deserve. Okay? We need to recognize what we deserve. Let's start in verse 6, and we'll go 8 through 10, okay? For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Verse 8, to you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. David here, he's experiencing some kind of sickness. We don't know what it is because he doesn't give the details of that. But what we do know is that it almost killed him. His life was being taken from him. David further acknowledges that this was a form of God's judging his boastful heart. And he also tells us something else. He, imp- he implies it, that he implies that he deserved it. Now that's kind of strange, isn't it? That kind of makes you want to stop and acknowledge that. That's weird. 
He cries out for mercy, right? Lord, stop this. Take this away from me. But never once does he say, hey, not fair. That's not fair. That's not right, God. Doesn't say that. It wasn't unfair in his mind. God wasn't just capriciously throwing like a little temper tantrum like a three-year-old. He knows this. God was giving him what his heart deserved. Separation from the source of life. You think you kind of run stuff? You think you're the source of life? Okay. All right. I'll give you what you want. I'll give you what you want. That's what he says. Go back to Romans 1. Here's how Paul explains it. Therefore, God gave them up. Gave them up to the lust of their heart, to impurity, to dishonoring their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creation, the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Part of why David now thanks the Lord is because he knows that what he deserved. He deserved judgment for his ingratitude to God. Now, I don't know what, maybe we're sitting here thinking, if you were like me, I'm reading this, I'm like, hey, you know what, God, that's a little harsh. Feels a little harsh, you know, come on. Going to get angry about that? But I want you to consider something. And maybe you're thinking that too, because that's what I thought when I was reading through this. I want you to think about this. Don't we get angry at ingratitude of other people? Doesn't it upset us and offend us? Don't we take offense when we see colleagues or friends boast in themselves when we know that the only reason they got that award, the only reason they got that promotion is because of the team that they were on that helped them? Absolutely. Let's be honest, it does. Don't we feel offense when we help out a coworker and they gladly take credit from the boss? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. How about this? We feel robbed when we work that extra shift all summer long to give the best we have to our kids, and then they go turn around, they pawn it for some quick cash. Doesn't that bother us? Doesn't that make us angry? Yeah, it makes us angry. So why do you and I have the right to be angry at ingratitude and God doesn't? Why is that okay for me, but, but not him? Just something to think about. You see, you and I will never see the danger of a thankless heart. It'll always sit in the category of, hey, you know what, no big deal. Hey, that's just kind of annoying. We'll never really get this until we understand two things. That ingratitude is ultimately against God. It's not against another person. Another person that's sinful like you and me. That's hypocritical like you and me, right? That's imperfect. It's against God who is perfect and super generous. The refusal to thank God is a form of boasting in our skills, our education, our wealth, our leadership abilities, our physical stamina, which, by the way, were all gifts that God gave us in the first place. It's an attempt to steal glory that rightfully belongs to God. And secondly, since thanklessness is against the Creator, makes it a capital offense, doesn't it? It's a felony, not a misdemeanor. You tracking with me? We need to get this. It places us under the fair and rightful judgment of God who alone is to be worshipped for all of our bless- his blessings. And guys, I know that you don't want to hear that. We don't like to think about that. I don't either. But here's something interesting. This is the amazing thing about the Bible and this psalm in particular. This is how we started the entire series off with Psalm 1, right? 
God tells us that he is serious about your happiness and my happiness. He's serious about our joy, finding our ultimate happiness and ultimate joy in him. He wants to make that happen. This is why he's instructing us in this way. Let me elaborate just a little bit about that. We live in the age of entitlement, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about? The wisdom of the world says that happiness comes from believing that we deserve good things to happen to us seven days a week. By just my existence, I don't have to work at it. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to earn anything. Just by existence, I deserve. Chad deserves to have good things happen to him as soon as he walks in every room that he walks in. Every day that I'm alive. That's entitlement. And it's a philosophy that is just like everywhere in our society today. Psychologists actually have a name for this. You know what they call it? Optimism bias. Now you talk about like whitewashing something, right? Cleaning it up. Optimism bias is the unrealistic belief that everything in our life should happen to us that is good. Good should happen to us despite contrary evidence. The problem with this thinking is that it actually breeds frustration instead of the very happiness that it it promises. This is really interesting. Think about this. You can only be frustrated if you adopt that philosophy. You can only be frustrated. Think about it for a second. So, So you and I, we expect that good things, we deserve to have good things happen to us all the time. So when you experience goodness, you think, of course that happened. Why shouldn't it happen? I deserve it. Right? You, so here's what happens. You have no reason to celebrate when good things happen to you. You have no reason to have joy for that. You have no re- You can. You can. I'm just saying you don't have a reason to be thankful. And here's the flip side. When, when you do not experience goodness, you think, you know what? Somebody owes me because I'm not getting my dues. Who cheated me? So you cheated me. I can only be frustrated when I play that game. I can only be let down when I adopt that type of thinking. Amen? Entitlement promises that we will be happier if we never have to thank anyone. But it cannot deliver. The truth is that only a thankful heart is a happy heart. This is why God calls you and I to thank him. It's not because he's egotistical. It's because it's good for you. It's good for me. God is concerned with our happiness too. You're not the only one concerned with your happiness. God is concerned with your happiness and your joy. And it's only found in Him. It's only found in Him. But He goes at it from a radically different perspective. You see, the gospel says that happiness comes from believing that we don't deserve the good that is constantly happening to us. That's the gospel. We actually get better than we deserve every day that we live. Here is what is very interesting about that way of looking at the world. It actually allows us to experience joy. Because all the good things that happen to us are gifts. They're not wages. They're not paychecks that we've deserved and earned. They're gifts. Now we get to be thankful. Now we get to have joy. Guys, maybe today God might be calling some of you to repent of entitlement. I don't know. He might be. 
It might be burrowed really down in the soil of your heart and he's digging it up today. He cares enough about your happiness to do that for you, to warn you about this, right? And, and here's what I want to say. If that's you, if he is talking to you about that, then here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen to him. I don't care how long you've been a believer. Listen to him if he's talking to you today. Do business with God today. That's why we've come here to worship him. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm talking about like in your seat right now, you can do this. You can just agree with him about what he says and say, Lord, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? You don't have to wait till the end of the message. I'm talking about before we put up the chairs and before we go grab cookies, do business with God. Let your sin cause you to weep because God makes you a promise. You won't weep over it long. Isn't that great? You weep over it now? You don't weep over it long. Joy comes in the morning. Amen? We don't weep over it now. We weep over it for a long time. Right? Joy comes in the morning. He has promised us joy. In fact, that's what all of this ramps up to. A thankful heart is one that's filled with joy. We need to celebrate what we have been given. Do you know how good you have it? Do we know how good we have it? Celebrate what we've been given. Let's look at verses 10 through 12. David says, Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosened my sackcloth. You have clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praises and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. I will give thanks to you for the rest of my life. That's what he says. Give thanks to you forever. For what? Like, that should be the question we're asking. Like, for what? What is causing this one self-exalter, self-worshipper to be a God-exalter? A God-worshipper. What caused this turnaround in attitude from loud mourning to now loud celebration, loud rejoicing? Did David win $50 million in the lottery or something? Did he finally find the love of his life after years and years of searching? Is that, was that what happened to him? Is he celebrating the birth of another child? What is this king willing to thank God forever for? That he is the recipient of God's great mercy. Right? Didn't we just sing that song? My sin, right? Oh, the glorious thought, right? A sin not in part, but the whole was nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. He has asked God for mercy when he deserved justice and God gave him mercy. He answered his prayer. He gave him mercy. David knows who he was and he knows what he deserved and he knows what he received instead and he is lit up about it. He can't shut up about it actually. He's singing songs about it. It causes him to burst open with praise. Mercy has radically changed his life. He has been spared the penalty of sin. 
He's been spared God's judgment. And by the way, who spared him God's judgment? God did. Isn't that interesting? God spared him God's judgment. Do you see that part in there where David said, Oh Lord, be my helper? He doesn't say, Oh Lord, help me. He says, Oh Lord, be my helper. You be the one that saves me. He's exercising faith in the fact that the only thing that can save him from God's justice is God's mercy. He loves that about God. He knows that about God, and he calls upon it at this time. He believes that unlike men who only want justice when they're wrong, God seeks justice and mercy when he's wrong. Did you hear what I said? Unlike you and I, who only want justice when we're wronged, God seeks justice and mercy when we wrong him. Isn't that a great God? That's good news. That's good news. The gospel announces that the cross of Christ is the intersection of mercy and justice. At the cross, the one who humbly thanked God his whole life got the judgment of the thankless. That's what Jesus did for for you and I. Because Jesus went into the pit, we, are, we the thankless receive mercy. Because Jesus was laid down in the dust, even though he praised the Father every hour that he lived, we get to live now. We get to praise him and thank him for his mercy. Who makes that kind of trade, guys? Who shows that level, that degree of mercy? Nobody that I know. That's like, that's crazy. That's crazy mercy, and that's really good news. This is why we thank, this is why we praise. It's not just for the other blessings like the love of our life or the health that we have. All that stuff goes away. You know what doesn't go away? God. Knowing God, relationship with God forever and ever, and that's what we have through Jesus Christ. This should make us want to thank the Lord exuberantly. When you've truly tasted, when you truly have tasted the mercy of God, it makes us want to thank Him. Like, when you get it, you get it. Do you know what I'm saying? You can't be silent. In fact, we don't want to be silent. It'd give us heartburn if we were quiet about this, if we weren't thanking God about this, if we weren't singing His praises. His mercy should cause us to want to dance, should cause us to smile, should cause us to open up our mouth and say, thank you, Lord, you really are full of mercy. Thank you so much. Whatever that looks like for you, for your personality, because we all have different personalities, I get that. Thanksgiving from your heart should be naturally set to overdrive, not minimum. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? It should, it should be set to max volume, not silent mode. Whatever that is for you. It could just be say, yep, that's all right. But that's thanking the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Worship and thanks naturally spring from a heart that has been blown away by the mercy of God. When's the last time, family, you were blown away by the mercy you got from God? And then only then will we really thank Him from the depths of our being. The point is that our thanksgiving and our praise from God should match the mercy that we have received. That's the point. There was one time, long time ago, that Jesus was eating a meal with the Pharisees. And Jesus, actually, this was a big part of Jesus' ministry. We're going to talk about that in the, in the weeks to come. He was eating a meal. Jesus did a lot of ministry over meals, eating and drinking with people. And he had this meal with the Pharisee. And if you know what a Pharisee is, Pharisee is a religious person. They're very moral. They don't sin a lot, or they don't think they do. Right? 
They just sin in other ways that are respectable. And he's having a meal with this Pharisee named Simon. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want to read this story because we're going to get to this uh, later on. But I think that it really uh, helps us see how transformative mercy is. Because into this dinner party, this woman who's very sinful, she barges in and interrupted, and she starts to thank Jesus in a very over-the-top, ridiculous, undignified, embarrassing way of thanking Jesus. Like, call the cops, what's the matter with her, kind of exuberantly thanking Jesus, okay? This is how transformative mercy is and should be in our lives. Luke 7, 44 through 48. And then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, turning toward the woman, he says to Simon the Pharisee, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears. And she's dried them, wiped them with her own hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. (laughs) For she loved much. But But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. If we thank the Lord very little, it is an indicator that we have been forgiven very little. We have received very little mercy. If we thank the Lord much, it is an indicator that we have received much mercy. That's not my words. That's Jesus' words. Brothers and sisters, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, because he answered the call for mercy, we have received much mercy, right? We've received much mercy. So let us thank him. Let's thank him with a full heart. Let's thank him exuberantly. Let's praise him forever, all the days of our life. That's what he's calling us to do. I love you guys. I want to pray for you.